0: Welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm John McClain and you can reach me at McClain underscore on underscore NFL.
1: And I'm Brooks Cabana and you can find me at B-K-U-B-E-N-A.
0: Brooks, you did a tremendous job on your first combine coverage. I know everybody read the Chronicle. Thought so. I heard a lot of compliments. I thought the fact that Texans started off with the interviews with Lovey Smith, and Nick Casario, which you wrote about. I thought that showed a lot of media around the country, not to mention people locally, about what the Texans are all about now, what their goals are. I was happy for Dr. James Muntz being voted NFL Physician of the Year. Muntz has been with Oilers, Texans, Astros, U of H. Walt Lowe, the Texans orthopedist, won that award NFL Physician of the Year a few years ago. So that shows you how highly regarded the Texans' medical staff is. Now, you were there every day. Let's start off, before we start getting into some of the highs and lows of the performances, as it pertains to the Texans, right now, who do you think the top three picks will be, and who do you think the Texans should take?
1: Well, I think the top three picks are going to be Aiden Hutchinson and two offensive linemen, Evan Neal and Aquanu. Just from my perspective of what happened throughout the week and what the needs are, a lot of people a lot of draft analysts are you know back and forth over who might go to the jags number 1 overall going into the week i did have a question whether uh the texans would trade out of that pick or maybe even the others um you know before them but it doesn't uh, seem like the trade market is very high one because of the quarterback depth in this draft which is pretty low comparatively and also the two teams in the top 10, uh, the Jets and the Giants both have two picks and they are teams with big needs and they would be kind of the ones in that market and they would dictate that. So, you know, I thought Evan Neal was impressive how he came off in his interviews. He's just a towering figure, a true left tackle in the league. Um, a lot of teams would, uh, with needs there might go ahead and go for that and um, he's got flexibility like Ikia Kwanu did, who's been surging recently in weeks. We talked about it before I went out there. And the way that he came across in interviews, they both showed their knowledge of the game. And I'm sure that carried through in the interviews that they had with various teams. With Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, he's been dominant ever since the season began collegiately. And his stock has never dropped. So going back to the trade market value. I think the Texans will end up just picking best person available at that point. And um, maybe Kyle Hamilton slips into that just based on need. Um, We'll see as the pro days go by. And maybe even Derek Stingley, if he does well in pro day, he wasn't there, didn't work out because of his foot injury. But if I were to give the three, those would be the ones that I would pick.
0: The Texans, of course, we've, we've beat this dead horse up one side, down the other about how they had the most pathetic running game in the NFL, worst in franchise history. And any start and improvement of the running game has got to start up front because no running back is going to be taken uh, that high in the first round or even, maybe even in the first round. But there were some impressive running backs. Brace Hall of Iowa State who's the one I'd love to see him get. Or Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State, both of them. If somebody doesn't go in the bottom of first, would go early in the second. What do you think about the crop of running backs that we saw, the speed, and how one or more of them might fit into the Texans? Whether they take them in the second round, you want use one of the two third round picks or or later.
1: Right. Well, he wants a home run hitter, and Kenneth Walker the third is definitely that. I mean, he's a a player who transferred to Michigan State because he wanted it to be in a system that both fit his skills and focused on the running back in many ways and that's what the Texans are wanting to do at least that's what they've said focus on the running game and he's been one of those guys who can take the top off of a defense running the ball and he gets a lot of yards after the after contact which is what the Texans struggled at last year and Depending on how the offensive line is restocked into next year, they're probably going to be hit pretty early off the line of scrimmage again this year. So Walker fits that. He's he's strong. He's he improved as a pass catcher out of the backfield too. He feels like an all-around back that can build around and they need that kind of running back. They've already re-signed Rex Burkhead, who you know, did did pretty well towards the end of the year as as far as um you know being an all around back with pass catching and such, and he can be better in a role where the other person's taking the majority of the snaps and um, that's what I see Kenneth Walker doing if the Texans were to take him I mean other guys showed that too Brees Hall was was a powerful back Uh, even Samir White himself was in there if they don't pick any of these running backs in the second round or third round they're not going to be available you know other teams are going to go ahead and go for those guys just because they're the best available at that time but um, if the Texans were picking say third fourth maybe even fifth round there's a player from LSU, Ty Davis Price, who uh, he was in several different schemes with the LSU offense, but um, he was one of those guys who was good running the ball and um, getting yards after contact. and, And the way that they were spreading the ball out, he was one of those players who would split out as a receiver and be a pass catcher as well. So in the later rounds, maybe a guy like that, if you're looking for the most impressive guy, I thought it was Kenneth Walker.
0: One of the stories you did from Indianapolis was on Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, who is the second best, second highest rated edge rusher behind uh, Aiden Hutchinson, who won't go any lower than Detroit with his second overall pick. But in, in your story with Thibodeau, I'm curious, what are your, were your impressions of him, especially considering the chip on his shoulder from people saying he didn't put out on every play?
1: Well, see, the first thing about that is, I mean, he was very intentional in the way that he was talking to the press about the fact that he loved the game and how much he was going to put into it. And it seems like every year there's a player who's getting, you know, from draft analysts talking to team sources that, you know, they don't care about the game. And then they slip from the top pick down. And I just just didn't get a sense from watching any of what Kayvon Thibodeau did on film and um, you know, getting a chance to talk to him, that there was much to that. Obviously, I'm not talking to the same people the others are. Maybe they know something I don't. But um, you know, he he was very intentional about what he was going to bring to a team. And I mean, this the, his his size and his testing, and he he worked out in everything. He even did bench, and he said he was questionable to do that. So um, you know, it was it was uh, it was impressive. And like he has throughout his career. I mean, even last year. Um, he was dealing with some injuries. You know, he he was dealing uh, through that throughout the year and still committed to play. And if you look at the way the Pac-12 teams were playing him, a lot of times they were double teaming, even triple teaming him out of different sets. And I know other pass rushers deal with that, but um, you know that was that was a factor for him. And whenever Nick Casario went to see him play against UCLA, he had four and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. And um, you know that's a pretty impressive performance. And The other thing he was saying was that he wanted to be a four-down lineman. He wasn't just coming in to be a pass rusher. And if you're looking at the Texans, that's what they would need. Um, They would need someone to help out in the run stopping as well. And that was something that was their problem last year. It was uh, uh, the the second-worst rush defense in the league, and that had a lot to do with the defensive line, also linebacking. But it was the front overall, so they need someone to help out there too um and they need someone to help get pressure in the backfield so Thibodeau can do that um and you know one of the things that I think uh, fans heard from and he um, I asked he was talking about some of the teams he was uh, talking to and he had mentioned Houston so you know I asked him about what he thought about the Texans and he said he loved to play in Lovey Smith's scheme and it seemed like he was prepared for these interviews and what you know he would have to say about the teams he had talked to at least to the press whenever they asked questions about it and then he brought up uh, their history and talked about Jadavian Clowney and said that uh, he would be Clowney 2.0. And, um, you know, a lot of fans who remember Jadavian Clowney's time here, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's some, um, you know, differences of how people feel. He played here, didn't elevate to the play of a number one overall pick, but he was good in the role that he had as a run stopper, but also had about nine sacks and he was dealing with injuries from time to time. Again, it didn't lead to the level of a number one overall pick, but, it seemed like he understood the blowback that would come back with comparing himself to that is. And Thibodeau said that, you know, he, he was talking about, um, you know, some of the things Clowney didn't have, and that he would be able to work on some of those things and make up for it. But it seemed like he was trying to do too much in those interviews. And I think that comes out of a place of trying to prove himself after facing a lot of the criticisms he's had from a lot of the draft analysts that have dropped him in their rankings. And maybe even some of the teams he's talked to, but I mean, for a certain extent, like, Teams would be just fine with Kayvon Thibodeau 1.0. I mean, he just needs to do what he's capable of. I mean, he's got the size and the ability, and he's clearly very bright in the way that he goes along about the, his preparation. He did lots of film study and, and and what he talked about in his interview. So he just needs to show that he can go 100% just like others are saying that he can. So, like, there's there's some – fair and unfair criticisms that he had to face. And, um, I you know, from talking to him, it seemed like he was prepared for it. And um, we'll see how it ends up going in the NFL draft if it gets to that point because, um, you know, the pro days are going to say another thing. And, you know, it's anybody's guess right now. Everybody's putting out their mock drafts and how things will go. Evan Neal goes number one or Aiden Hutchinson goes number one. The Texans will have a third pick and there'll be a player available. And it'll be interesting if it is Thibodeau because that means that uh, they've probably made some other decisions about their offensive line or other things across their positions. And um, maybe they've signed, re-signed Justin Reed and they don't need Kyle Hamilton. So um, there's a lot of time between now and then. But you know, if, if Thibodeau's playing at his elite level of play, and he's, he's just as good as anyone else uh, in the draft.
0: Sounds like Thibodeau's agent prepared him very well and hired a good PR person to prepare him as all the top prospects do. Uh, You mentioned Kyle Hamilton, Lovey Smith, the head coach. He knows how bad the running game needs to be improved, but he's a defensive coach, and he coached a safety like uh, John Lynch, who's in the Hall of Fame, Aeneas Williams, who made the shift from corner to safety late in his career, Charles Tillman, Rondé Barber. So he's coached some great defensive backs. No safety's ever been taken first overall. The highest was Eric Turner, taken by the Browns and Bill Belichick, in 1991, and so I can't decide if Kyle Hamilton, who is the highest rated player on a lot of draft boards, would go to the Texans before a pass rusher or an offensive lineman. I watched him work out on uh, the NFL Network, and they were oohing and on about him. What did you come away from Indianapolis with about Kyle Hamilton, who's 6'4 and 220?
1: Well, let's start there. That frame is just so impressive for that position, and it's interesting because of Lovey Smith and his history in the defense. You know, you think of one of the best defenders he ever had uh, was Brian Erlacher. Coming out of college, he had played safety. He had played different positions in college before he moved to linebacker in that system, and. If if Lovey Smith wants to have a versatile player who can move around, range, go down to the line of scrimmage, blitz, drop back into pass coverage, and just be that hybrid defender that is so essential in today's game, Kyle Hamilton fits that bill. I mean, if you think about what if like Brian Urlacher were drafted in today's game, would he be playing middle linebacker in a four three? in the cover two system that they were running, he was doing a lot of straight back dropbacks into the middle of the field. I mean, he had speed and he could range. It makes intriguing conversation just for what Lovey Smith would do if he did draft Hamilton, but he's, you know, one of those players who can really offer a defense, many different things. But would the Texans go for that? It, it seems like, uh, I mean, we, we asked Lovey Smith and Nick Casario about whether they'd be open to, re-signing Justin Reed who's going in to being a free agent they're they're both open to it and Lovey Smith seems like he really likes what Justin Reed brings to the table and uh, has been in conversations with them whether they reach a deal to the point where they're paying him um, the amount of money that Justin Reed wants or whether it's the amount that they can afford is another question and we'll see once free agency starts next week what, whatever direction that goes I think that would dictate a little bit ultimately whether they Pick Hamilton, but I mean it just opens up your creativity uh, to wonder what Lovey would do with him in that system, and the, with all the needs that the defense has right now, he could fill a lot of things and be one of those foundational pieces that uh, they they mold around. Um, you think of the Tyron Matthew, the way that he played with the Texans and how he's playing with the Chiefs. Um, everybody's kind of searching for that kind of player, and you you would you would have one early on, and it looks like he offers a lot of different things.
0: Brooks, we all know it's not a big. Impressive crop of quarterbacks. Uh, Everybody was there, I think, except Matt Corral from Ole Miss, who's still trying to get the ankle injury, suffering as Baylor and sugar bowl yield. But the buzz about quarterbacks, where do you stand coming out of the combine compared to where you were going in? Do you see any of them being drafted higher than had been projected, and did one of them stand out to you?
1: Well, the fact that, you know, I saw an interview with Bruce Arians on NFL Network talking about his quarterback situation, obviously Tom Brady's retired and maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. What is their situation? And he said behind door number one was Blaine Gabbert, who was a backup, and they also drafted Kyle Trask. And behind door number two was a trade. So they're sitting there uh, with a top 15 pick and they're thinking about not drafting one of these players with one of their two options with an obvious need for them. So... Um, after that week, you know, I, I don't I don't think my opinion has changed all that much with this. Kenny Pickett seems to be the clear person available and the Broncos are sitting at nine and it, they may just, you know, be able to take him right there. And I maybe this is a scenario where you go through the first ten picks and it looks like this is a situation where a lot of people are saying, Oh, we're open for business, but there are no buyers. You know, there's a lot of sellers and it doesn't seem like there are a lot of buyers. If you look at the Texans in their situation at number three, uh, we did a dive into that last week. You can still find that on HoustonChronicle.com. It would demand, I think, a, a too much in return when, say, the Broncos, if they need to trade beyond the Panthers who're sitting at six and also need a quarterback, they've got the Giants at five and the Jets at four who would offer them something with less of a price than what the Texans would offer unless Casario would then you know, lessen the value of his number three pick to trade for that. Um, which I don't think he would do and would probably ultimately pick um, the best player available. I think that would be a higher value with that decision. So I, I just don't see any of the quarterbacks really moving up into this. Um, I think Pickett's still that guy, and I think you could see a scenario where maybe only one or two quarterbacks are picked in the first round. Sometimes it triggers a situation where everybody starts jumping on it, but I don't know. I, I think it's still about, about the same of what as I thought going in.
0: Okay, let's do a quick Texans mock draft. A lot of people have Evan Neal from Alabama going first overall, Aiden Hutchinson going second to Detroit. And I wonder what people will have Detroit doing if indeed uh, Jacksonville takes Aiden Hutchinson to play him opposite Josh Allen to give him a very dangerous pass rush. But say Neal and Hutchinson are off the board, Nick Casario does not trade out at three. It seems the three primary prospects would be Ikiakwano, Kayvon Thibodeau, or Kyle Hamilton. Who do you think they would take and why?
1: I think they take Ikiakwano because it gives them a very big need um, on the offensive line because uh, a lot of people question whether he can be a full-time offensive tackle because of his his reach, Uh, but he clearly has great strength, great um, athletic ability. He ran a sub a sub five second 40 yard dash, which just, you know, it is an indication of his athleticism. But um, I, th- I think you look at what he can do as a guard. Um, and then you have Titus Howard, who played left guard for the majority of last year, you could kick him to right tackle, and he's in the final year of his contract. And you could then have an easy and seamless transition to him to the right and continue to build his on the interior whenever you have the salary cap more available to you next year as they continue to grow that for themselves. So that that makes the most sense, and he would be a top player. Um, There are some that think that he might go number one overall. I think Kyle Hamilton would be an interesting pick, but just as far as their defensive necessities versus their offensive necessities, they want to run the ball. They need to really get done with that because it was the worst run game in the history of the the franchise. So uh, that would be my pick.
0: I hope you're right, because if they do not target improving this running game early in the draft, then they all should be fired. Now, I'm John McLean. You can reach me at McLean underscore on underscore NFL.
1: And I'm Brooks Cabina, and you can find me at B-K-U-B-E-N-A.
0: Brooks, great job at the Combine. Great job as always. I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast, reading our stories and watching our TV shows, Channel 2 on Sunday nights at AT&T.